always been an encouraging time to hear preachers from other places and to hear uh, their lessons, and I know that you'll be blessed tonight. We're glad that Leland Rogers is with us tonight. I I got to looking through, and Leland, I'm not sure I have all the records, but I believe this is Leland's 12th time to be here. Uh, every record I had showed that he was here, <laughs> and so we... And there's a reason for that. We, we've always appreciated the lessons that Leland has brought for, for us. He is a, a person who is devoted to the Word of God and who has been a serious student of it for a number of years. Preaches for the church in Angleton, has been there a long time. We're glad that his wife Irma could be with him tonight. They really scared me because I talked to Leland today on the phone and Everything was fine, and he was going to be here, and so I relaxed, and I just came and knew that he'd be here when I got here, and he didn't come, didn't come. But I forgot that several years ago, they discovered Jay's Restaurant outside of Needville, and they have a hard time passing it, uh, just like some of you might have. Uh, and So they had stopped to eat, but they also got behind a wreck, and so... Uh, that was the real cause. Before Leland speaks for us and, and we welcome him to speak, we're going to take a moment to pray together and then Leland Rogers will speak for us. Our God and Father, we're thankful tonight that you have blessed us in so many ways. We're grateful that we have these privileges of meeting together and studying your word. We're thankful for those who bring your word to us. We're thankful that we can hear it and profit from it. And we pray tonight, Father, that our meeting will be a blessing to all of us due to what we hear. We're thankful for your church everywhere it meets. We're grateful for saints throughout the world. We pray for the success of the gospel being spread in every nation under the sun. And we pray that through those who are working and converting others, that your name might be glorified and that you might get the honor that you deserve. Bless us now in these next few minutes and help us to be good listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. We are delighted to be here tonight. And uh, Alan is correct. Uh, my car doesn't pass that restaurant without stopping. And it's really the pies more than it is anything else. We like the pies at that restaurant. They do an excellent job of baking there, we think. And we enjoy it very much. It's indeed a joy to be back. I have not been counting how many times I've been here. So I didn't know that myself. And so uh, I do appreciate very much the invitation to come and be with you this evening. We have thoroughly enjoyed our visits here every time. And likewise, we have enjoyed Alan coming and being with us in Angleton as well. Uh, I have no idea how many times. How many times have you been there, you know? I don't know, <laughs> but many times, and uh, 
And so we're delighted to see Alan and Janice again this evening. Your theme this summer is in his steps. And I have been asked to take a lesson tonight and then make an application to it concerning uh, this theme. And so tonight I have uh, decided to take a lesson starting in the book of Luke chapter 11. And I invite you to turn there, if you will. It is in Luke chapter 11 that uh, Jesus' disciples come to him and they make a request of Jesus. And the request is, Lord, teach us to pray. And I find that this is an interesting request. They go on to tell him why he wants to be, why they want to be taught by him. He says John's disciples were taught by John in reality. And you can see that in the text. And so then, here is Jesus honoring the request of these disciples. And I want us to read how Jesus honored that request. Notice in Luke chapter 11, it says, So he said to them, I'm reading in verse 2, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is what sometimes is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. I want to suggest to you tonight that there is another version of this. We have just read the short version, I call it. But open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he gave this prayer at that time. And I want to read that prayer at that occasion that Jesus gave it in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Out of all the prayers that are in, that's in Scripture, I believe this prayer is probably used more in the world in which we live than any other prayer. It is common to hear it at special events. I remember growing up in the state of South Carolina, I attended a state school. But every Friday we had chapel. And every Friday we would stand and pledge allegiance to the flag and say this prayer in that chapel service at the school that I attended. 
I also had the honor to be on the football team. And before every football game, we would huddle together as a team and we would say this prayer before we went out and began playing on that particular evening. This prayer has been called the Lord's Prayer. It has been called a model prayer. It has also been called the Disciples' Prayer. I am more inclined to call it Disciples' Prayer. And the reason I do that is because Jesus' disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he takes this prayer and he teaches them to pray. There is never a time in Scripture where Jesus actually prays this prayer except giving it to his disciples. I never see a time that the disciples who he taught turn right around and pray this prayer as it is in the text. That can't be found either. And so I'm convinced that it is a prayer that was given to learn how to pray and not necessarily a prayer to be used and to mem be memorized by rote memory and say it over and over and over. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I just don't think it was meant to be used that way. It is interesting, though, that Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because these Jews had been to the synagogues. They had heard prayers there. They had heard the rabbis pray in the synagogue and in the temple numerous times and quote many different prayers. But you see, they saw something different, I believe, in Jesus. Because you look at his personal ministry and it was common that Jesus would go off into a desolate place be alone and pray. And they knew that. There was a time that he went to the mountain and he stayed in the mountain and he prayed and he was alone. We cannot forget the time that he's about to choose the apostles and the Bible says that he goes to the mountain and he prays all night long before he makes the decision about who would be the apostles. And so here they are, seeing these prayers in the synagogue and in the temple. At the same time, they turn around and see the prayer life of Jesus, and that is radically different. And they say, I think, I want that. I want that experience. I want to know what it is to be praying as the Lord prays. And so he gave them this prayer. Tonight, I'm going to take the long version, and this is in Matthew chapter 6. And I am reading from one of your pew Bibles, the New King James. And I'm going to take the long version in Matthew chapter 6 and beginning in verse 9. And we're going to talk about 
each segment of this prayer. May I suggest, first of all, this prayer is dated. And the reason I say that is because, look in verse 10, where the prayer says, Your kingdom come. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he's saying to them to pray for the kingdom to come. I realize not every time that the word kingdom in Scripture is always referring to the church, but there are times that it does. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, as you read along there, it does refer to the church. And I suggest to you tonight in Matthew chapter 6, at this occasion, it is referring to the church. So he's teaching these people to pray that the kingdom would come. Well, obviously, when the kingdom comes in Acts chapter 2, or the church, no longer would there be a necessity and a need to pray this prayer. Because it's here. Now we could pray for the kingdom to grow, we could pray for the kingdom to have great vision. There are various things we can pray about the kingdom, but we have no need of praying that the kingdom needs to come. And I think that particular phrase does date this prayer. And let's notice that point. Let's go back now to verse 9 as we continue to look at different aspects of the prayer. Jesus says, Our Father in heaven. Notice the word our. Isn't that very personal? I think it's very personal. Here's Jesus telling these disciples to pray, Our Father. And when you pray Our Father, that has to be a very personal relationship. That relationship between those disciples and God has been brought about because of their obedience to God. How is it brought about for us tonight? In our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel that Paul says he was not ashamed of in Romans 1, 16, when we obey that, you see, God becomes our Father. He is our spiritual leader. And therefore, we follow Him where he leads us because he is our father. I hope tonight that every one of you in the sound of my voice can say, he's my father. I hope he is. If he's not, then you can change that tonight. You can make God your father. And you have that opportunity in a little bit to respond to God and therefore become a Christian and do that. Then the very next thought there in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallow here is the concept of honor. The concept of bestowing honor upon someone. And so we are to bestow honor upon God. My family and I lived in the country of Cameroon, West Africa, for two years. 
And when we arrived in the first service that we attended, there was a man who stood up. And really, when he stood up, he was wearing what I would call a dress because it was a long robe. And I have to admit, that's the first time that I had been to a service where a man had a dress on and he was praying. Talk about culture shock, I was. But I come to understand after living there for two years, that was a Don Cheeky. And it was a very common dress and it was a very appropriate dress. And it was a dress that you would wear at very important events. And when I left, they gave me one. You see, that man stood up and he said, Papa God. You think about another culture shock coming out. Papa God. But let me live there a little longer and I come to understand there is a no more reverent term than Papa that is the most reverent term in their language that they could use. And they address, they address God that way. When long, I was saying the same thing in public worship. Because I learned something. And so Jesus said, when you pray to God, you bestow honor upon Him. Hallowed be your name. Then we come to verse 10. Your will be done on your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here he is saying that when you pray, you pray to your father, you bestow honor upon him, and now you pray that the will of God may exist on earth. I believe tonight one of the greatest needs in our country is that we pray this prayer that the will of God be done on earth. It disturbs me of the hatred, of the abuse, of the unkind things that go on in my world, in your world. I am convinced that is not the will of God. God doesn't want that at all. And so tonight we need to pray that the will of God is being done on the earth. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. The will of the Father needs to be done on the earth, and it is accomplished by his people, his Christians, his disciples. We have that task. We have that ability in reality. Notice now his will is to be done on earth as is what? As is done in heaven. Folks, the will of God is being done in heaven. And so now we have the task of doing it on earth. Then we come to verse 11 where it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Now here is a shift in the prayer. The prayer starts off by calling God our Father and by giving Him honor and talking about His will. And so the first part of the prayer has been about God. 
The second part of the prayer is going to be about us. It's going to be about the disciples of Jesus. Notice what he says here. Do what? Give us this day our daily bread. Each one of us, I'm sure, have many personal needs. We obviously need bread, but we need water too, don't we? There's a lot of other things we need to sustain life. So here we are praying for those essentials of life, whatever they may be. And Jesus is teaching these men that they need to remember to ask God for those personal needs and how important that is. Well, we have a lot of needs tonight. And I'm confident that we can pray for our needs on a daily basis. I didn't say our wants, I said our needs. It's all right to pray for what we want too, what we want, of course. But let's pray for what we really need. Then we come to verse 12, Matthew 6, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This word debt indicates that something is owed. Something is owed. And not only that, it's really talking about one's sins and the sins that we do. And so we need to have our sins forgiven. And we need also at the same time be have the ability to forgive others as well. I really believe that verses 14 and 15 in Matthew 6 is the best commentary on verse 12. And let us read these two verses because I think they help us understand verse 12. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Go back and look number tw verse 12 now. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, that's the best commentary on that verse. We have to be people that have a forgiving spirit. As the redeemed of God, we must be a forgiver. And the Lord says, if you want your sins forgiven then you be a forgiver. There are those that you need to forgive. And if you don't forgive them, then he says, I'm not going to forgive you. And so you come to realize then how important forgiveness is in our lives. And so he's teaching these folks, you must be a forgiver in reality. Well, let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. First of all, the Bible teaches us that God tempts no one. Remember that. God tempts no one. But Satan is the one that's doing the tempting of our world. Who was it in the garden doing the tempting? 
It started there and it hasn't stopped. It continues tonight. He's in that business. Yes, I do believe that Jesus will test us. Read the book of Job. Did he not allow Satan to test Job? He sure did. In the book of James, you come to find out that James is talking about the trials that we face. And this is the concept where God is teaching again that He will test us. And so what do we have? We have temptations and we have tests. Are they different? I think so. But I also think they're very close. They can be very close because if we fail the test, what have we done? We yield to something, haven't we? We shouldn't. So they're very close. Whether God is testing us through Satan or whether Satan is tempting us, we face it on a daily basis. But something we need to remember, the Apostle Paul saying in the book of the Corinthian letter, that we will not be tempted above which we're able to bear. And what? There will be a way of escape. With every temptation we face, Paul says, the Lord is going to provide us an avenue of escape. And so we understand then, these temptations doesn't come from God, they come from Satan. And we need to be mindful very much of that. Now let's look in verse 13. Continue to look there. The latter part says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now some has called this the doxology of this prayer. Some translations don't have that part of the prayer in it. I don't know what translation you're reading from tonight. Alan gave me a New King James while ago, and it didn't have it in it. I'm holding up another New King James, and it does have it in it. And so that's quite interesting. I hadn't run across that until I just walked in this building. But I know the doxology is not in Luke chapter 11. It's not there in any translation. In the old King James, it will always be there in Matthew. And some of the new King James, it will be there. There are other translations, it's not there. Well, let me suggest tonight, that doesn't mean that it's not biblical. Because I do believe it is biblical. There's not a thing said in that doxology that you couldn't prove by many other scriptures. I think what we have here is likened to what we see in the book of Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. I don't know what translation you're reading from, but if you're not reading from the New King James or the Old King James, your Bible will not have a verse 37. It'll have 36 and it'll go to 38. Well, that doesn't prove in any form or fashion that the man, of, man there did not make a confession of faith either. Don't think that. 
The point I'm trying to stress is that this doxology, as it kind of sums up this prayer, is in reality pointing out the praise that we give to Almighty God. Well, let's look at this prayer tonight. We're seeing the first part was teaching us what? Teaching us when our prayer to approach the throne of God and give, give praise and honor to the Father. That's what it says, doesn't it? The latter part of that prayer says, let me pray about my life and what's going on in this world. Let me learn to be a forgiver. Let me also realize that God's never going to tempt me, but I'm going to face temptations every day of my life. Because that's the business Satan is in, and this is what he's going to do. And so in reality then, this is a prayer not only for those folks to learn from, but I believe for us to learn from. I don't know if you ever had someone to tell you, I don't know how to pray. Several years ago, I had a young man to tell me this. A young man that grew up in a Christian home. A young man that had gone off to college. And he said to me, Leland, I don't know how to pray. You may run across someone one day that doesn't know how to pray. Bring them here to the disciples' prayer and teach them how to pray. What to say. You see, prayer for the Christian man and Christian woman is a conversation with God. The Hebrew writer tells us that we can go to the throne of grace and seek mercy. That to me is an awesome concept. To the throne of the king and seek mercy. Isn't that amazing? In just a few days, it's going to be 20 years since Princess Di died. You may not care anything about the royal family. But I have to admit, several years ago, I kind of got hooked on this. And anytime I'm surfing the internet and there's a story, I stop and read it about the royal family. Think about the fact there's a king, there's a queen. And all the royal they look at and how they treat each other and how they curtsy to one another and all that kind of stuff. That's just intriguing to me. I know that I will never be asked to go to her table and eat. But when you look in the Bible, David restores Mephibosheth to the king's table in the time of old. And today's Christians have been restored to the king's table every Sunday morning for the Lord's Supper. I can eat at the Lord's table, but I'll never eat at the queen's table. 
Yes, let's understand that we have the honor to praise our God and talk to Him. And that's an amazing thing. Teach your children. Teach your grandchildren. Teach those in a Bible class where you're teaching. Teach them how to pray. Talk about addressing God and we address Him in a proper fashion. Talk about talking to God about what is on their heart and I can pour everything out to God. But I believe that we may have a difficult time doing that if we first haven't done it in our own lives. You find your mountaintop. You find your place where you can go and pray on a daily basis. Several years ago, a truck driver, a friend of mine in Chattanooga, Tennessee, he said, Leland, let me tell you where I pray every day. And I said, all right. He gets in his 18-wheeler. He drives about 30 miles away to Dalton, Georgia. He opens the back door of that trailer. He gets up in the very back of it. And he kneels there and he prays for about 30 minutes before he has to go to work. That was his mountaintop. I don't know where yours might be. One lady one time told me she prayed while she washed dishes. And you can tell that's a very old story because we don't wash dishes anymore. We have a dishwasher, don't we? But when she washed dishes a number of years ago, that's when she prayed. Said, the family is gone. I'm in the house by myself. It's quiet. I'm before the sink. I'm washing the dishes. That's my prayer time. I don't know when your prayer time is, but I challenge you to find it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us the avenue of prayer. We thank you for the opportunity that you grant us and the privilege to come to your throne and seek your mercy. Lord, we need your mercy. We need for your will to be done on earth. We need for hatred to stop and peace to be brought about. Father, help us to be a better forgiver. Help us to be one that forgives freely. And Lord, help us to recognize the times that we are tested and we're tempted and we find that way of escape and not yield to those negative things. Pray thy blessing tonight upon each person that's in the sound of our voice. They each one have special needs, Lord. We pray thy blessings upon them and for their needs. And bless them tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.